Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Epiphany Lutheran Church of Mount Vernon, Virginia. We're a congregation of the Metro DC Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. And you can find out more about us on our website at epiphanylutheran.org. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth, distress among nations confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. And that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place. And to stand before the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. There will be signs in the heavens and on the earth, Jesus says, and people will faint from fear and foreboding. But you, when you see things take, these things take place, you stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Each year, with the beginning of Advent, we start taking our gospel readings from another of the first three gospels. And so today, we begin a series of readings mostly from the gospel according to Luke. Our first passage from Luke, however, picks up right where we left off with Mark two weeks ago, with Jesus having left the temple for the final time speaking with his disciples about the frightful events that he foresaw in the future. And these sayings of Jesus have certainly provoked a whole lot of fear and foreboding themselves down the centuries. On one level, Jesus is speaking about events that would take place within the lifetimes of those who heard him. Truly I tell you, he says in today's reading, This generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. It's generally assumed that the contemporary event that Jesus was speaking about, that some of his listeners would live to see, 
was the great war between Rome and the Jewish people that would begin in the year 66 and end with the burning of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple in the year 70, so about 40 years after he spoke. And those events were not just catastrophic for the people who lived through them, as all wars are, for those who died and for their families, for those who faced hunger and disease and loss of homes and sexual violence as armies ravaged the land, for those who became refugees and had to make new lives as strangers in faraway lands. But in addition to this, as if that were not enough. For a people whose national and spiritual life was centered on the temple, it was earth-shaking for all of that to be taken away. No doubt people were faint with fear and foreboding as they saw the armies approaching. But even a generation before all these events, Jesus saw a people filled with hate for their enemies, a people divided from one another, a people where many were treated unjustly and robbed of their dignity and their ability to support themselves and their families, a people who had come to believe that God was okay with and even encouraged violence against the bad guys. This is a way to solve problems. Jesus saw where all this was going. And he told his disciples, it's like, it's like when you see leaves appearing on the trees and you know summer can't be far away. You can see all the signs for yourself. In fact, Luke tells us that when Jesus came to Jerusalem for the last time, as he came over the hill and saw the city in the distance, he began to weep for it. For he knows people will reject his way of love his way of love for enemies instead of hating them, his way of communion and mutual service, especially for the poor and the needy, his way of renouncing divinely sanctioned violence. And he sees what that rejection is going to mean, and he makes, it, makes him profoundly sad. And to the extent we can see many of those same signs in our own time and place, how many people today feel a righteous hatred for their political enemies? How many ways in which we are divided from one another? How many people in our own society are robbed of their dignity and economic opportunity and even their lives? How many people think it's right to use violence against whomever they think are the bad guys and to celebrate such violence when it happens? then we might also be feel, filled with fear and foreboding about what lies ahead for us, for our generation and the ones to come. The generation that heard the word of Jesus rejected his way and chose a path that led to destruction. There's no guarantee that our generation will be any different. Personally, I see many of those signs today and sometimes it fills me with fear and foreboding. And I talk to many people, even many of you, who see and feel the same things. Jesus saw those signs in Jerusalem already around the year 30, and he told his disciples, you know, people are going to faint with fear and foreboding as they come 
to see and recognize these signs, but not you. When you see these signs, stand up, hold up your heads, and know that God's salvation is coming near. Because if you're my disciples, if you're following my way, my way of loving enemies and living at peace with your neighbors and practicing service for the least among us, seeking reconciliation and forgiveness and leaving vengeance to God. If you are following this way, you have the antidote. You have the vaccination against the madness that's going to overtake the world. And no matter what happens, even if it's the cross, even then, God is faithful, and God has promised to bring you into the kingdom no matter what. So, there's no need to be overcome with fear and foreboding, Jesus tells his disciples. He says to them, I'm not Pollyanna, you know, I I can see the signs as well as you, maybe even better. But what I know is that God is faithful. And if the cross comes, so be it. I will not waver from the way. I will seek love and forgiveness and reconciliation and forswear violence and retribution even to the end. And God will be with me because that's the way that leads to life. So even when the world is falling apart around you, stand up, hold up your heads, and trust that God's way is the way to security, the way to life, the way of salvation. And that is advice that is not just for the generation that would live to see the Roman army attack and destroy Jerusalem. That's advice for all Christians of every time and every place. I mean, what generation has not lived in a world of injustice and violence and hate and vengeance? In what generation has it ever been the norm to practice love and forgiveness and service? Hasn't it always been possible to see signs that could fill one with fear and foreboding if one didn't have faith in the better way of Jesus? It was more than a century ago that William Butler Yeats wrote his famous poem called The Second Coming. You probably would recognize many of its lines, things fall apart, the center cannot hold. What you may not know, what I didn't know until recently, was that he wrote the poem in 1919 in the middle of the influenza pandemic. And in fact, he wrote the poem just a couple of weeks after his pregnant wife had contracted the virus and nearly died. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world, Yeats wrote. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. That was not written yesterday, although it might have been. That was written in 1919, when Yeats saw signs that filled him with fear and foreboding. And the generation and century to follow certainly had more than its share 
of tragedies and catastrophes, but we're still here. Who knows? Maybe the human race will muddle through again. Luke almost certainly wrote his gospel after the fall of Jerusalem and the temple. There's no copyright date on the title page, but the scholars who have poured over the evidence are fairly sure that the text of Luke as we have it was written after the words of Jesus about the coming calamity in Jerusalem had already been fulfilled. Our second reading today, however, comes from what scholars say is probably the earliest New Testament text that we have, Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, a letter that was probably written sometime during the 40s, when the same sense of fear and foreboding that Jesus spoke about was still in the air and perhaps even more intense. Unlike some of Paul's later letters, there is no drama or tension going on in the community of the Thessalonians as there would be in Paul's later letters to the Corinthians and the Romans and the Galatians. Paul's words to the Thessalonians are all positive. They're filled with encouragement. They testify to his love and affection for the community at Thessalonica and its members. But Paul's journeys have taken him elsewhere, and Paul cannot be there in person to remind them that they've been vaccinated against the fear and the foreboding that they are starting to feel through their faith in Jesus. And so Paul tries something new. If he can't be there in person, well, maybe technology will be the next best thing. The technology of the first century was ink and parchment. And so he writes them a letter to be read aloud during their congregational meetings, as we read the letter aloud today in our congregational meeting. In the section of the letter that we read today, Paul prays that the congregation in Thessalonica will increase its love for each other and for everyone, so that they will be ready for whatever is coming. What is coming for people of faith is not to be feared, it's to be welcomed. It's the salvation that will be apparent when the resurrection of Jesus is everywhere. And no matter what happens between now and then, Paul says, let your hearts be strengthened in holiness, let your love for one another and for everyone increase and abound. Keep living the way of Jesus more and more, grow in your love and in your faith, and you'll be fine no matter what, even if the worst happens, even if the cross comes, even then, your salvation is close. Just keep on following the way of Jesus. And in his desire to help the congregation at Thessalonica to grow in faith and hope and love, despite their gnawing sense of fear and foreboding, Paul writes, Night and day we pray most earnestly, that we may see you again face to face. There's nothing like being able to see one another face to face, is there? To be able to help each other to live together in love, to strengthen our faith, to remind each other where our hope comes from, 
Paul desperately wanted to see the Thessalonians face to face because he believed that this would help them stand up and lift up their heads and not be overcome by their fear and foreboding if only they could be together face to face. Well, sometimes we can't be together face to face. We have to use technology instead. Paul did. We're doing it now in a slightly different way. Sometimes it's what we have to do. But if we ever took for granted what it means to see one another and to encourage one another face to face, we sure don't anymore. Because when we're isolated and alone, when we're sitting on the home on the couch with the blinds drawn, watching the cable news channel of our choice, it is really easy to be overcome with fear and foreboding. And to forget that we've been shown a better way. A way that leads not to earth-shaking catastrophe, but to earth-shaking resurrection. To forget the words of Jesus, who saw all the same signs of distress in his day that we see in ours, but who told his disciples that if they are following in his way, these are the signs that it's time to stand up and lift up our heads, because the day of life is at hand. To remember these words Paul knew, we need to come together in community to see one another face to face. And if we can't be together face to face, then to use whatever technology we have to strengthen and encourage one another. Because together, connected to one another in faith and in love for each other and for everyone, we can stand up and lift up our heads no matter what may happen around us for the day of our salvation is close at hand. Thanks for listening to our sermon podcast. You're welcome to join us for Sunday worship online or if you're in Northern Virginia in person on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. For more information about us, please visit our website at epiphanylutheran.org. Thank you.